Welcome to the Mike Ash Show. Man, we did big announcement and we get the oh, worst opening. Oh. oh my gosh. So hey, sorry, Ruby. Can I tell you how happy it makes me when I'm like, hey, can they hear us? And all of a sudden the chat starts coming in. Yep, we can hear you. You're there. Well, I can always, because I unfortunately can see just enough of Ruby's uh -huh. screen to see when stuff see is when not things are good doing, or not good. When, it's, when I see the panic in her eyes, I'm like, oh no, this oh. is not good. Welcome. Big news today. So uh, obviously we have a huge <laughs> announcement that we are going to drop on you guys today. Today, the guesses have been absolutely amazing. But first, but first, remember this is a Q and A episode. Our reason for coming to you guys every other Tuesday is to answer your questions. So if you have burning financial questions, things you want to know about, things you want to get our take on, things you're confused about, make sure that you put them in the chat because we will be answering them for you today. So. I'm not one of those people. I'm not like Ryan Seacrest that does the pregnant pauses and all that stuff when you're waiting to see who's getting kicked off. So sure. I'll just go ahead and just drop this. So here's the reality is that, and I've been very nervous in the mm -hmm. fact that I feel like this is what Freddie Mercury probably felt like after he finished Bohemian Rhapsody uh -huh. is that, you know, he created this thing and he's like, now will they like it? Is it going to be any so good? So what we've done is, is that we're getting in on the the course game. And we, we've, you guys have put the context clues together. And here's what's interesting about this. This is not our first course. So right now there's a hushed silence over the crowd as the thing. Wait, wait, wait. I've been a Money Guy fan forever. I've been listening since way back in 06. I don't remember a course. I don't remember having worked through that before. Yeah, we started creating our first course into 2018, recorded it in 2019. And this is where it gets a little weird is that I threw it in the trash. Because I, you guys, I mean, look, we've been giving out free advice since 2006, and I want anything we do, I want the value to exceed what you paid for. Well, it's easy when it's free, because when it's free, as long as I give you one or two nuggets, even if it's a website of something I've gone sure. to, I feel like I've given you the value proposition that makes your time worth being here. When I ask you to buy something from me, though, it's different. I, I get nervous yeah. because I just don't want somebody to go, these son of a guns, I've been loving on them for, you know, they've been, I've been coming to them for years and then they're going to go out this way. Cause I realize there are 14 years of integrity and goodwill that we built up. So we threw away one course because mm -hmm. it just didn't meet. The, it wasn't the up to our standards. And what's, what's crazy, Bo, is that truthfully, I bet compared to the other courses I've seen, people have asked us to preview. Our course that we threw in the trash is probably still better than 90% of the stuff out there, and a lot of people would be happy, but that's not that's not just how it works. And that's why I want you guys to know we take it serious. So, Bo, go ahead and kind of lay out what we've opened up. Yeah, so what we have done is we have actually created the FOO course, the Financial Order of Operations. If you want to know what the instruction manual for your finances should look like, where your next dollar should go, how you should go about building your army of dollar bills, the Money Guy Financial Order of Operations course is going to walk you through it step by step. Well, everybody, because everybody's like, you guys have been doing the Financial Order of Operations, the FOO course, mm -hmm. or the FOO content since 2016. What's different about this? And, and here's what I would tell everybody. You can only do so much in 35 to 40 minutes. And we recognize, hey, if I'm going to speed up people's wealth, because here's the other part of it. This is, you know, you know, like, why are they doing a course also is that I recognize we talk about the abundance cycle, whereas people, I, I give you free advice. I love on you so you can learn, apply, grow. And then one day you'll reach a level of success that you'll take the relationship to the next level. And that's how we have clients all over the country we work with. That yep. is the abundance cycle. I want to accelerate that. So I'm hoping is, is that if you can come in and I give you the worksheets, if I give you the actual step-by-step -step process, instead of this taking five years, six years for you to go through the abundance cycle, maybe I can accelerate this to two years, three yep. years. So there is, look, I, I like a win-win scenario where I come and love on you, give you tons of information, you become more successful, and then we all kind of grow through this thing to together. And that's exactly what I've done mm -hmm. with Foo. And in the course, this seemed like a much better process through a course than through a 35-minute show. And so it wouldn't be true money guy fashion, though, unless we kind of gave you guys something to prime the pump. We wanted to give you something for free. And this is something that you guys have been asking for. You've written us emails. You've sent us comments on YouTube. You've reached out. You've said, hey, guys, I'd love to have something that kind of walks me through what the steps of the foo are. If I just want a quick analysis of 
what are the nine financial order of operation steps? Where can you point me? Well, we are actually making available for you as of today, a deliverable out on our website that walks through the nine steps of the financial order of operation. So if you're curious what they are, you can go to moneyguy.com resources and go download this for free today. If you've not checked out our resource page, you should start checking it out because we're putting worksheets, templates, things that you can use to help you take your finances to the next level. And this stuff is out there. We've known, and that's why I want people to have this free deliverable. Don't pay anything for this. Go grab it for free. This really will. And I think just people reading the steps, and I don't mind going through it because sure. that's how confident I am in the course, is that, like, number one, deductibles covered. Yep. You've got to have that. Got to do know, it. Just to make sure your life doesn't go in the financial ditch, essentially, if you don't have the, the basics covered. Employer match. We mm-hmm. talk about get that free money. Yep. you you got to do it. Three, high interest debt. How can you harness the power of compounding interest if you're in debt and you're paying huge high interest rates? It yep. just doesn't work. Number four, emergency reserves. That's where you come back to number one, essentially, but top it off so that you can not only get your life out of the ditch for little things, but also bigger things that could come your way. And then really steps five, six, and seven, that's where we're talking about HSAs, Roth IRAs, maxing out retirement, hyperaccumulation. That's where you're building wealth and you're really trying to let your army of dollar bills go. And then eight and nine, that's where abundance mm-hmm. sets in. That's where you're actually thinking about, hey, I've built this army of dollars. How do I want to get ahead of it? And how do I make sure that I'm doing this well? So you see this, this is available. This is free for you out there. You can go to moneyguy.com resources and access it. But if you see this and you think to yourself, man, I want to know a little more. I want to go a little bit deeper. I want to dive in a little more and really understand what is involved in each one of these steps. That's where the food course comes in for you. So if you haven't gone yet, go check out Learn dot moneyguy.com and that will take you right to the course website where you can learn all about the food course. So go a little deeper, Bo. Tell them what do you actually get if you if you sign up for the food so course. So here's what you're going to get if you sign up for the food. You're going to get 12 exclusive video lessons with us where we actually walk you through the nine steps with some additional flavor. We're going to talk about ground rules and other things that we think go along with the foo. You're going to get to spend time with us. We're going to be sitting in your living room, walking you through the instruction manual for your finances, exactly where every dollar should go. In addition to that, you're going to get easy to understand homework assignments that'll walk you through each step. Now, this is what's a little bit different than shows we've done in the past or ways we've covered it. We wanted you to have something tangible that you could use. So when you sign up for the food course, you are actually going to have a homework assignment at the end of every stage to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, the way you're supposed to be doing. And it's not just about taking in the information. It's not just about listening to what we say. It's about actually getting pen to paper and writing it out and getting your financial life in order. Yeah, so that workbook is like 20 pages long. Yeah, it's and, a um, big one. So you'll notice we have a, in, the, in the back, if you're watching this on YouTube, you see we have a few of the screenshots mm-hmm. kind of flashing through. But that's what I wanted this thing to have actionable steps with homework. Anybody who works with us on the client side knows I love calling it homework because you have to be involved yep. in the process. This is not osmosis where if you just watch the video or hang out with us, you become wealthy. You actually have to start making things happen for yep. yourself, and, and this will accelerate that. But there's even more than that. Yep. In addition, you'll get access to a private Facebook group, so not just the normal Money Guy Facebook page. We're going to have a private group strictly for all of our food participants. We are going to do private live stream Q&As specifically for food participants. So if you're working through the course, you're going to get an intimate setting with us to answer your questions. As you're going through the modules, we're going to speak to it. We're going to be a resource for you. And you're going to have access to the other course participants. And it is available, this is the exciting one, starting on October 1st is when the course launches for $249. But we've done something different because well, we want it, We know these different. live streams are important. So we, we not only have the month of September is going to be unique, but then also this specific hour that we're doing mm-hmm. this live stream is going to be unique also. So go a little deeper. So today is officially the launch of our pre-order. In the month of September, we are doing pre-orders. And this is what happens if you go ahead and sign up now. You'll get early access to the Facebook group. So you don't have to wait till October 1st to get access to the Facebook group. I th- is this one the most exciting? I think this <laughs> it one depends might be on, It depends on where you are in the Money Guy family. What we've decided is if you are someone who orders the food course during the pre-order period in the month of September, 
when we get your order, yep. we're going to send you a Money Guy Tumblr. These things, money cannot buy. Well, not true. Our money bought it. You <laughs> cannot order them. If you would like to have a Money Guy Tumblr, sign up during the pre-order period, and you will get a Money Guy Tumblr. But if that doesn't get you excited enough, we thought, how can we plus this up just a little bit more? If you sign up in September, we're going to give you the discounted price of $199. So if you pre-order, rather than paying the full $249 that happens on October 1st, you can get the course for $199. And then there's one more thing. But wait, there's more. How many times can you say, but wait, there's more in a show? These koozies. You know, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, the backstory on these koozies, we were going to go speak at um, a college, you know, about financial planning, kind of a career fair. And um, COVID happened. So we have cases of these koozies now that we're supposed to go to college kids that if you sign up during the live stream today, we're actually going to give you the Tumblr, plus we're going to give you one of these koozies that you see me use weekly when we do the live yep. streams. You too can also have one of these. We're going to throw that in as so well. So I'm going to say that again. If you order your Foo course, I don't know how long we can answer questions, maybe 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes, we're going to answer your questions. If we see that you ordered your pre-order during this live stream right now, in addition to the tumbler, you're also going to get the this $1 beer cost me $88 koozie. Uh, just a little extra, little, little extra perk for our Money Guy family. So that's, that's it, guys. Like I said, we wanted value to exceed what you actually pay. So that was the criteria because we know what our time's worth. We know what your time is worth. So we put a pretty high bar on this. So I hope that all of our Blood, sweat, tears, work. I mean, because this has been months in the making. Years, years in, in the, the making. making. That, um, that, that you guys like it. So give us feedback. And this will be something, by the way, one more solid drop in. Because we know, I can, you know, I hear Bo tell me who's in the room beforehand. We have clients, mm-hmm. money guy clients that are in the room. Don't sign up if you're a money guy client because clients are going to get this free. Clients part of um, what we're creating here. We want you to know we appreciate you so much. We appreciate you taking the relationship to the next level with the Abundance Cycle, so you're going to get this as just part of being part of the Abound Wealth family. Love it. Love you it. to answer some All questions? All right, so now here's what we're here for. Let's answer some questions. If you have a question, we have our entire content team out in the chat, pulling them in, getting them in front of us. Uh, if you want us to answer your question, make sure you get it in there. Uh, and so... Let's go ahead and jump right in. Let me start with a good one. Oh, well, here's one. This is sort of foo-related. Okay. Uh, it's a little, a little advanced, so it's kind of a weird one to start with, but it's a little advanced. Uh, this is from Brian. He says, hey, quick question. Where does cash balance plan come into play if I'm working through the financial order of operations? So I think maybe be valuable to talk about what is a cash balance plan, and then we can talk about where it comes in the foo. Yeah, well, cash balance plans, by the way, This is advanced, but I love it because this is something, if you want to blow people's mind, when I'm dealing with professionals that are in high-income situations and they have a lot of control over their benefits and they're even in um, these type of career paths where they don't have a huge workforce because, like I said, a lot of times this is highly skilled people, your doctors, your attorneys, um, your CPAs, and so forth, that... This is a plan that sits on top of typically like a 401k. Mm-hmm. So you, what, what happens for um, somebody who's in this stage is you've already loaded up your 401k. You've maxed out those 415 limits, which consist of the 19.5 yep. of salary deferrals, plus taking it all the way up to 57,000 with profit sharing. But yet you still have more that you want to save legally, minimize taxes, as well as give some additional benefits to your employees the first thing that happens in one of the most effective ways is to structure a cash balance plan on top of that 401k. That's exactly right. It's a big, it's a big supercharged savings vehicle that doesn't replace the 401k, but sits on top of the 401k. What I think is interesting, and then I'm going to talk about this in relationship to the financial order of operations, is that your 401k is a defined contribution plan. So that's why you have those limits. When you get into cash balance plans, these things are now hybrid products that are really structured more as defined benefit. They fall closer to the pension. They calculate it off of your life expectancy, the assumed rate of return based upon risk profiles, um, the age of your workforce. All these things come in, so it's not uncommon to see business owners and others who are eligible for these cash balance plans to be able to put 
I'm talking about six figures mm -hmm. on top of what you can do with your 401k. So since these are such large numbers, this typically is going to fall into what I'd consider the hyper accumulation right. phase. This is, this is step number seven. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's because a lot of people say, what about maxing out retirement? That's step six. That's where you probably are looking at maxing out retirement is getting all those salary deferrals, right. those the contributions 19, like that. It's really when you get to step seven where it's the hyper accumulation where you're trying to get over 25% of your gross income that you're going to want to think about these things. Because I do want to keep everybody on track when they follow financial order of operations, so you're checking the boxes because there are other things that come into play. I mean, we were we were doing a, a, a corporate speaking engagement. I still remember we were going over financial order of operations, and and the, the, this woman raised her hand. She was an engineer, and she was like. I have kids. It feels kind of cruel that I'm not mm -hmm. saving for college if I'm saving all this money. That's why we have financial That's order exactly of operations right. to let you know, go through the steps. Once you get to 25% of savings, it's okay to get to step eight, which is prepaying some of the expenses. That stuff is powerful where you can focus on the kids' college and then always come back with extra money and save for the future. Love it. That's great. All right, let's do this one. This is a, this is a fun one because it's not touchy-feely, but a little touchy-feely. This is from Matthew. He says, I'm a young man hoping to be married in the next five years. Congratulations. Uh, that's an awesome decision. What is your advice for merging two people's financial lives once they get married? Thanks. You know, I'd like to start this one because here's what I think I've noticed as uh, I've been married. Yep. Uh, you know, I worked through that process. Uh, we've had tons of friends that have gotten married. We've had tons of clients that have gotten married. And we've seen marriages that have been successful and some that have been unsuccessful, specifically as it revolves around finances. I think one of the very best things you can do when you're starting out, when you are approaching that threshold, is you have to have open and honest communication. Before you decide to get married, before you guys decide to tie the knot, there are some big questions you probably want to answer. I mean, obviously the ones that come to mind are, you know, what are your thoughts on having children? What's your spiritual or religious background and beliefs? But another one is, how do you look at finances? How do you think about building finances? What are your goals? Are your goals, hey, I want to eat, drink, and be married a day? Or am I someone that wants to defer gratification into the future? And how do you marry that well? If you can have those conversations early on, before you get married, before you just wake up one morning, you're like, all right, well, I guess let's just put the checking accounts together. <laughs> it makes the process of working through that work a lot better. And I'll be honest, Brian, we, we've seen, and I think this has evolved over, over the years for us, there are a bunch of different ways to do it well. We see some married couples that everything is together. There are no separate assets. There are no separate accounts. We see some that it's uh, his accounts and her accounts, one spouse's account, second spouse's accounts. And then we see some hybrid where there's sort of a mix and a mingle, and then there's play accounts. It doesn't, there's not a one size fits all correct approach, but what you do need to do is make sure you're on the same page with whatever approach that you do work into. I do have some best practices that sure. I, I would be willing to share. And we've talked about doing even more. We've done some shows on this yep. and we do even more. Is that I think first, I'm going to check the box that Bo was kind of alluding to is that you do need to pay attention to after you have that open communication of, are there any assets that come from a special source? Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about, Premarital assets yeah. like inheritance, um, you know, you own a business or something. This is all stuff that came into before the marriage. Well, that stuff has special legal protection. And, you know, you probably do want to be careful because I still remember a, a conversation I had years ago where had a person we were working with, had an adult child that was getting married. And I never forget successful son-in-law coming into the marriage. And he was so ticked off that he wasn't put mm -hmm. on the, the daughter's investment account. He was like, why am I not getting put on the investment account? I'm like, because this was money that the father had set up years ago. You know, don't, you don't need to be on this investment account. This is protected under a marital side. Now, with that said, let me, let me tell you what I think actually, what is the healthy part. All of your wage income should probably flow into a joint account. All the sure. money you make should come into a joint account. Me and my, I mean, cause th there's multiple reasons for this. I do think when you go into marriage, you are now two becoming one. Sure. It doesn't make sense for you to have, and I know this is going to be upset some people, for you to have your income come in this account, their income to come in this account, and then y'all kind of figure out how 
you know, you pay the mortgage, they pay the utilities. That seems, and I've dealt with, and I'm probably going to break some eggs here with some people I know, but I hate when I see couples where there is an ownership feeling around some of those assets. You're also kind of courting off things you want to protect. And I don't think that's healthy long-term um, in, in a relationship. I want every dollar I make to go into this joint account so my wife feels like this is ours. She sure. has just as much ex- access to it. Because then you get into this weird situation where maybe one spouse doesn't make as much as the other spouse. Mm-hmm. I never want that spouse to feel like they don't have access to things too. Sure. So I do, I'm do. i a huge proponent of joint checking accounts where all the income comes out of that clearing account. But I am willing to give a lot of respect to the structure of assets as they come into the marriage, just because, look, those assets, and this is what I told that son-in-law when he came into the marriage. I was like, look, those are your assets. Just stay married. And then you, you'll, it's I'm sure true. you'll have all the benefits. That money will be used for down payments and everything else that's going into your life. Just stay married, and it's your money too. Mm-hmm. But you ever separate, and I'm going to make sure that that father that's been a client for a long time doesn't come and hunt me down because he got bad advice here. So just pay attention, respect that, but then make sure you guys are working off the same sheet music. I'm going to throw one other thought out there because this goes in the line of open communication and transparency. Uh, let's assume that you're a young guy and let's assume that you was, you have it all figured out in terms of how, how finances work. Like, cause I don't know, maybe you're a young financial advisor and you decide I'm going to get married and I'm going to teach my wife all these wonderful things about spending this sounds biopic. and saving. Is and this I'm, a biopic story? I'm and hearing? I'm going to tell her, hey, our miscellaneous budget for things is going to be $40 <laughs> where we check in with one another. Make sure that when you go in these conversations, you're willing to listen and to learn and to be open. Uh, my first year of marriage was incredibly educational. And I think I learned more in it about how a couple manages finances than my wife, who's a non-financial person. So make sure when you go into it, you don't just assume, I have it figured out. I'm going to impose my will upon my spouse. It needs to be sort of equal footing in terms of the conversation. If you need homework, go check out our 2012 as well as 2013 Uh marriage shows. You, You will hear a much younger much Bo, I call it pre-wisdom pre- on marriage, wisdom, where he got to share what he thought. And I, I can't remember if it was 15 or 25 bucks, whatever. It was the, 40. The, it, was it was 40 bucks because we had a question. I had essentially, it was kind of, you know, call it the, was it the honeymoon game or whatever, yeah. where I said, what is the threshold you'll have to ask your spouse to get permission? Because everybody, every couple should have a threshold that for these purchases, you need to go talk to each sure. other because it's a joint. Your number was $40. And I still remember telling you, Bo, her shampoo will cost more than your threshold. And he came and, back a year and later see, with I had, a lot my, of knowledge. My, my suave shampoo only cost me like a dollar. I was like, yeah, maybe she's going to go buy 40 bottles of shampoo. Uh, wisdom. You know where wisdom comes from. Experience. Uh, it was an educational time. That was a great question. Hey, have, uh, best of luck because it's just it's a wonderful journey to go on uh, if you approach it the right way. All right, let's answer another question. This is from Stephanie. She says, all right, uh, Roth within a 401k doesn't have a cap, right? I'll speak to that in a second. If my Roth, uh, if my husband has a Roth 401k, can I also contribute to a Roth? Oh, by the way, I'm a homeschool mom. I don't have any income. So a few things. Is there a cap on Roth 401k contributions or maybe is there a limit to who can contribute to them? If the husband puts money in the Roth 401k, can the non-working stay-at-home spouse put money into a Roth IRA? And for that matter, can the husband put money into a Roth IRA? So I'm going to let you clean up if I don't get all the sure. answers here. Because I'll let you... I asked you, you like six questions. I, I didn't did. plan you on You stacked them and, you know, and my older brain only can focus on two or three things. It's a sports th- car. Thing, things at a time. But here's the thing. When you say limit, I will say there's two different limits that you need to take into account. There's first contribution limits or salary deferrals on your Roth 401k. And you can put in, if you're under 50, it's 19.5. If you are 50 and over, it actually goes all the way up to $26,000 because there's a $6,500 catch-up contribution Mm -hmm. in 2020. Um, So that has zero income caps. You can make a million dollars a year, still contribute to a Roth 401k. And by the way, here's another cool thing. You can contribute as long as you're below the income limits of a Roth IRA, 
which is Bo, do you have that in front of you? It's, it's, it's for high, a married couple, high, it's around 100, 200. Yeah, it's like 190 something to 200 and something. There's a phase out there. Um, typically, I have a handy dandy money guy worksheet that tells us all the numbers, so we look really smart. But as long as you are below that threshold of household income, you actually can contribute both to a Roth 401k and a Roth IRA. And guess what? If you're a, you're you're doing the homeschooling mm-hmm. for the kids, you also can do your Roth IRA as yep. long as the household income is below those thresholds. You can actually borrow off of the earned income or you count their earned income towards your earned income. So you could you essentially have three opportunities there. You have the Roth 401k, load that up, load up the husband's Roth IRA, mm-hmm. and then load up your Roth IRA. Lots of tax-free growth opportunities there. So I'm just going to reiterate a few things. That even if I make a million dollars a year, I can still put 19.5 into a Roth 401k. Right. Assuming my income is below the threshold, it's around 200,000 for a married couple. Not only could I do the 19,500 for my Roth 401k, but then both me and my spouse can max out our Roth IRAs at $6,000 each. Yeah, and I want to clarify cuz now if the if the husband has a high paying job and then she's doing the homeschooling with the kids, you have to look at the household income. Sure. It's not like you, you get to say, well, he makes 300 I make nothing, so I get to do the Roth because I'm below. No, it's, it's a tax like, return it, income. It's your tax return income, so pay attention to that. Great. Love it. Uh, Stephanie, great question. All right, this one, let's give Facebook some love. This one is from Kyle. Ooh, uh, yeah, I, I like this one. All right. Uh, would you recommend paying cash or does 20% still make sense? He didn't give me any context. I'm assuming he's talking about buying a house. Seemed okay. like a safe assumption. Would you recommend paying cash or does 20% still make sense? And then this is the interesting one that I think is, that we'll speak about. I anticipate, I anticipate having a pretty big inheritance, but don't want to think about that too much. Yeah. So saying, should I, okay, if I have the means, should I pay cash for my house or should I put 20% down? He didn't ask this. Or should I put less down? And then if I'm someone who potentially might have an inheritance from family, how do I factor that into my financial plan? Man, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot, a lot of meat on that. that. I like that. I love this because so, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm just gonna start throwing it out there. Sure. And you, once again, I'll you get to clean you it lines. up. Is that first of all, there's a there's a dividing line in my in the way I talk about paying down low interest mortgage debt because like I just refinanced into a two and a half percent. 15 year mortgage. That's unbelievable. I'll probably pause? have it I'll probably have it paid off. Can we just pause for a second that you're able to borrow money on a home for two and a half percent? It's cr- the the refinancing, this is once in like, a lifetime la- like opportunity. Like last year, like last year, cash accounts were paying like two and a half percent. That's unbelievable. Sorry, keep going. So if you're under forty five or forty five and under, I'm I'm willing to throw put the line right there. I think that compounding interest is very valuable for you. Way more valuable than the two and a half percent interest that you're paying on your low interest mortgage. Now, once you're over 45, and you and I have some, I'll mm-hmm. let you jump in sure. and beat on this a little bit. I do think that you can shift because you're going to get to a level of success that you want to simplify your life. And one of the easiest ways to do it is to completely be debt free. Also, we know compounding interest is kind of been muted a little bit. So, you know, you're not the opportunity cost of every dollar from your army of dollar bills is not as bad. So that's, that's the first threshold. So I would tell you, if you're somebody who maybe you have a family gift, or you have the money to put down 20% on a house, I'm not going to tell you don't put down 20% because I think that that is actually a great amount of money to put down on a house because you avoid avoid PMI, you get the best interest rates. So that's a healthy thing if he has enough money to put down 20%. Now, I give a lot of latitude because I know there's a lot of up-and-comers just like I was and you were. Mm -hmm. I didn't have 20% when I was in my 20s and 30s when you're buying that first house. I only put down, and we went and asked everybody in the firm, and we only had one, one, Carter. Who actually, and I give credit, because, you know, Carter's a squirrel. He's one of our principals here at the firm. If you work with Carter, you know how good he is with money. And and truthfully, we have Eric now, too. Mm -hmm. I haven't asked him. He, You know, so it's one of those things where that might need to amend that. But we only had one in the the firm that put down a true 20%, because most of us, when we're up and coming, we don't come from money. You might, you just need to get on the bus. You're just trying to get on this home ownership train so you can let your, the, 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 the home start appreciating. So you might only put down 3%, 5%. I get it. But if you have the money, 
put it down, put the 20%, but then promise yourself you're not going to prepay that low interest mortgage until you've exceeded on the financial order of operations. You've made it all the way through steps one through eight. It is step number nine, meaning you've made it past hyper accumulation. You're saving 25% for the future. You've already put some money towards the kid's college. Mm -hmm. Now you're at step nine of financial order of operations. Yes, go ahead and prepay that low interest mortgage at that point. Yeah, I'm just going to throw out something for free for you guys. Remember, if you, uh, if you pre-order our course during this live stream, we're all answering questions, you're going to get one of these koozies for free. I'm, a, I'm answering the Solid question. Solid drop. No, no, listen, listen. This is, <laughs> this, this is going to tie in. What this koozie says is this $1 beer cost me $88. Oh. Well, that's true for a 20-year-old. It's this whole 88 times over concept. Well, if you're a 40-year-old drinking this beer, we know that your wealth multiplier drops. So your koozie would actually probably say something like, this $1 beer cost me $7. So I guess it's a craft brew. What's really, really interesting is if you are that 45-year-old and you say, I, I just want to know what my wealth multiplier is. I yeah. want to know where my number is. We actually have a free resource available for you. Go out to moneyguy.com slash resources, download our wealth multiplier. What that will show you is every dollar you deploy, how many times it can turn over between now and the time you turn 65. So if you're thinking, oh man, do I want to, if I'm 40, do I want to prepay that mortgage? Well, I could take that $1 and satisfy 2.5% interest or I could take that $1 and turn it into seven by the time that I turn 65. If you wanna know where you are at your specific age, go download our Money Guy Wealth Multiplier at moneyguy.com slash resources and order the course to get a koozie right now. Now, did you, I don't, uh, let's answer the one last part of this. Uh -oh. So this is the second question, okay. right? How should we think about, if we're someone who are gonna get, we're gonna get a big inheritance. How should we think about the decisions we're making today from a personal financial standpoint? Should we allow the fact that we're assuming a big inheritance cause us to make decisions today that we might make differently? I'm going to let you answer this after because you and I, we have a lot of discussions sure. on this because I think we do have different mindsets in a ways, and that's actually a great value add for our listeners. And the fact that I am a... a I'm a builder for forever. Sure. I think I'm always going to be a builder. We know that's not the reality with the average American because think about this, guys. When I give you the stat that 80% of millionaires are first generation, mm -hmm. meaning they created it. Well, you can't have that statistic without also understanding that by the second generation, 70% have lost what the first generation created. By third generation, 90% of them have lost the wealth of the family. And that's a, that's a natural kind of reoccurring wealth cycle. That, and it makes me so sad when mm -hmm. I hear about that. I am clearly in that camp of building that 80% I mean, that that's first generation wealth. And I just, I always feel this desire. I've got to grow. I've got to build. I want everything in my army of dollar bills to feel like it has a purpose, that has a reason. That's why we even came up with financial order of operations. Yep. But so that's different. And that mindset makes me a little bit striking in the fact that I think even if you know you have money coming, I think you act like it's not coming. Mm -hmm. Because what I'm trying to do, just like we learned in The Millionaire Next Door, economic outpatient care. Sometimes you would think that'd be great to get the head start from the parents, the grandparents. Sometimes it can be a, a burden. Mm -hmm. It can be a weight because you never are developing those good financial management skills so that you do well. So you're not like, I don't want you to be a windfall person like a lottery winner where it's gone within five years like the majority of yep. lottery winners. I want you to have the good money management skills so that you do it right right and i think and here's the other part and this is maybe this is a little morbid i know people and not that you're cheering for your wealthy relatives to pass away but you're definitely building that, that into your plan motive, yeah. you're building that into your plan that's weird because mm -hmm. we want our family to live to be 125 years yep. old and you're going to be okay no matter what happens right. to them so i think you can know it's out there and i'll be curious to hear what you add to this but do not build it into your plan because that's not your money to go ahead. You can't go and brand it or put an earmark on that because that's not your money yet. No, and I, Brian, I actually agree with everything that you just said. Believe you're going to go not. a little different. No, there, no, no. I, I actually do agree. I, I'm, so I'm thinking about a movie. Now, I don't know if this movie's aged well, and it's been a while since I've seen it. So you got to tell me. But there was a movie with Chevy Chase called Vegas Vacation. You, you guys heard of it? I mean, not Vegas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. And I feel like the premise of the movie was... Uh, the main character, the protagonist, was getting a big bonus 
build a swimming pool the, in the backyard. And he was going to Clark build Griswold. a swimming Clark Griswold was going to get – and so he was already spending that money. Like he didn't get the bonus yet. He already signed up he for the swimming jelly pool. of the month club. Did all that stuff, right? <laughs> I've seen it a few times. Yeah, and, and, and then – it didn't come, right? And like he was banking on that money to be there. I think a lot of times with inheritance, it can be that way. Okay, so one, you're assuming that there will be an inheritance there, but what if something happens and the wealthy relatives have to spend that money on nerd? On, what if you expected a, an age 75 mortality and they actually make it to 95? I just think that you don't ever want to spend money that's not actually there. And that's kind of the way that an inheritance is anyways. Uh, it's one thing if you have a backstop, you can make some decisions if you know that you have wealthy family members, but banking on an inheritance and allowing you to subsidize today's life because you're going to have some future windfall, I think that's a dangerous, dangerous game that can get you into a lot of trouble and will make you that statistic that burns through it in the first or second generation. Well, also, I mean, I am now getting to that stage where every year when I do the angle net worth statement, it amazes me to see what just the army of dollar bills create without me actually contributing anymore. I mean, I'm still contributing, but it's just interesting to see the growth. It's good. It would make me sad is when I'm doing the angle net worth statement, instead of those assets growing, because yep. I know how hard it is to build that first million dollars, to see them just a steady decline. I don't know. To yep. me, that, 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 that being a consumer versus a, a builder bothers me. Yep, I get it. I'll probably take a hard line on that, though. All right, Reeves is telling me that we have two more questions we can do. All right, two more. Remember, so let me remind you what that means. <laughs> you have two more questions. I feel like this is a telethon. To, I do feel like a telethon. <laughs> I don't even like it. I don't even want to finish my <laughs> sentence like, now. I was I don't even I'm like, oh. Hey, okay. if, if you want a koozie, though, pre-order the course <laughs> during this live stream in the next two qu- Gosh, it does sound like a... Now I can't unhear myself okay. doing a telethon. Let's answer some more questions. All right, so here, giving here it away. are the last two questions. All right, so the first one is uh, from Nicole. And she says, hey, what about getting your small children's finances started? I know of 529, but can we do more? Uh, so I want to I mm-hmm. say one thing, and then I want to ask you three questions, and I'll let you run. First thing, before we think about getting our kids' finances started, we have to make sure we respect the foo. We have to make sure we're working through the correct financial order of operations, and we're not prioritizing getting our kids' finances in order before our finances. There's a lot of steps. There's seven steps There's a lot before of steps you get to there. saving for college. Keep going. So let's assume that you are now at that step. And this says, what about getting their finances started? Now, she didn't specifically say college. She just said, what about getting it started? But she noted a 529. In my mind, there are really three good ways to go if you want to build assets for kids and I think this is great because I think that you have done all of them. Yes. There's 529s, yeah. which we'll talk yeah. a little bit about. There's UTMAs. Mm-hmm. And then there's the big, exciting, fun one, the yeah. custodial Roth Custod- IRA. Exactly. It's, uh, man, we share a brain. It's right we here. Really, it's we right really here. do. So uh, I'll give a little color on this and the fact that I do. Remember, this is step number eight of the non-financial order of operations. Is you got to make sure you have your retirement taken care of and a plan in place so that your retirement is not living in the kid's basement after you've invested so much in them. Because, by the way, New York Times, I've been saying that for years, actually ran an article actually this did year the article. that showed, I'm like, holy cow, what I have been warning people really does occur. So don't fall into that situation. So make sure you have steps one through seven completely mm-hmm. knocked out before you jump into eight with the prepaid expenses. Yep. So here's the thing. I do think probably your first step when you do get to that appropriate level of financial order of operations is probably the 529, because here's what's great about the 529s. These things have expanded. They've grown. Every time new legislation comes out that touches upon 529s, it's usually better, more Mm -hmm. flexibility, because these things started out originally as college savings accounts. Then they expanded to where you could do trade schools and all kind of other things as well. And then guess what happened? They've opened them up to now you can use them for K through 12 private school. You can also ABLE accounts. By the way, if you find out, just like I have found out, I have a special needs child that I started from the day they were born. I started a 529. You can move those college assets Mm -hmm. if you don't think there's ever going to be a need for college into that ABLE account and make use of that. That is incredible. So that's going to be the first thing. 529s, check that box. All right, let me add, I'm going to add two things to that real quick. Uh, You can open a 529 with any state. So just because you happen to live in New Mexico doesn't mean that you have to do a New Mexico 529. You can actually shop around the entire country to find really good low-cost plan. 
But some state plans have specific tax incentives yep. if you put contributions Good in point. there. So make sure you understand what's available in your state, whether you should take advantage of it, or should you look elsewhere. Keep Great going. point. And then second stop on the kids' savings is that's the, that's the UGMA, the UTMA, depending upon which state you live yep. in. But these are the custodial accounts. And here's what I, I, I have these for my daughters, and because here's what I was thinking. I was thinking, hey, the kids are going to, they're girls that are probably going to have weddings, mm -hmm. and I know how my wife is, and I know how I, I think weddings are a big waste. So the only way, God, that sounds so cruel and so cold. He, but um, He thinks that spending money on the wedding ceremony is a big waste. He's a big fan of weddings. Remember, I think about what money could, I'm, not, I'm a builder, not a consumer. So <laughs> thinking about the only way I could get in my mind that I'm going to be okay spending as much money as wedding, a wedding for my, probably my oldest daughter is going to cost is to get ahead of it and start building. Sure at 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month, and just let it do it. Let the army of dollar yeah. bills cover the, the brunt of that. So, and look, it could turn into maybe this is a down payment on a house. This gives them all the things that, um, that I wish that I had that opportunity on when I was mm -hmm. my daughter. And then the third one, this is the probably, I would tell you, it, it might be third on the list, but it is definitely still one of the most valuable because this is the carrot that you're creating to make sure your child especially if you're growing up in some type of abundance, meaning you're not struggling as much as maybe you did growing sure. up. Because I think that's for a lot of us money guy people. We're great maximizers. We don't come from money, but we're worried our kids are going to be an absolute disaster because they are growing up with more than we had. Sure. I've used step three, which is the custodial Roth IRA, as that, that, that carrot, is that I have had from a young age, I have offered my daughter that you get a matching contribution if you want to open up this custodial Roth. You actually go work, you fund, and then I'm going to double your contribution mm -hmm. so that you can actually maximize this. Now realize it is capped out. It's a, what's your earned income that you report Great. on a tax return. You will have to file a tax return. So my daughter has a Schedule C for all the babysitting work and things like that. So she does get to keep half the money, and then I match the other half so she can contribute all the way up to 100% of it. what she's actually earned. And, guys, here's what's powerful. My daughter just got a check for some services she did. It was 75 bucks, and I couldn't believe it. She didn't pass go. She handed it to me. And I put that money in just last week. I don't even tell you, you anymore you because didn't this just thing, put that money in. You put double that I put, money. I put one hundred and fifty dollars in, and and it's just it's it warms my heart to see it. she actually is just yep. as excited. And by the way, she's now, and I, I guess this is a pro. She has over four grand in a custodial Roth IRA, still in high school. I mean, can you imagine what that money's going to be worth? It, if it, we talk about eighty-eight, about times, 88 over, times over, imagine what it is for I a sixteen-year-old. This is really. She started that custodial Roth account when she was fifteen. It's unbelievable. She's now seventeen. It blows your mind. That's what. Those are the three counts. So just to review, five twenty-nines and able. I'll throw able, able accounts in there too sure. if they if they have a, a, a special need. Um, and then I'll throw custodial accounts, and then you know. You also have the Roth custodial accounts right. if they have earned income. Take advantage of all these things. Consider the matching program. The other thing I thought was great about my daughter, she just started driving to school. Two days ago, Whew. no, yesterday. You're was actually her holding first up very day. well considering you're two days in to oh your gosh. first two, two, kid I don't driving. need to tell you these personal. She drove to school for the first time yesterday. Um, we recorded her driving out of the driveway. She actually used her blinker driving out of the driveway, which I was like, solid use of the blinker <laughs> right out of the driveway. That's safety. But um, panic. Me and my wife, just complete, utter fear. Hopefully, because all young drivers are a little scary. And then sure. after dinner last night, she took her and her younger sister to Sonic to get some ice cream. And I'm just, I am a utter mess about it. But here's what I think is great. She paid for half of that car. That's awesome. And because I, I, I wanted her to have skin in the game on that too, because I knew so many kids in high school got the fancy cars. They never appreciate skin in the game is valuable if you're going to take ownership. Because nobody, you think about it, every time you rent a car, do you treat it great? No, no, you're gunning it. It's just like when you go rent a beach condo, you spill something on the carpet, you go put some paper towel on, but you're not pulling out the resolve on it because you're like, it's good enough. If you have skin in the game, you're actually going to pay attention. You're going to take ownership. You're, nobody's going to treat your stuff like you treat your stuff. So that's why it's important to make sure your kids, if you want them to understand money, understand the value of giving, of saving, and all the important components, make sure you're incentivizing that stuff while they're in your house. Love it. All right, I promised two questions, so I'm, I am going to do <laughs> one more. I didn't mean to do mini that, shows. I mean, was, I mean this is essentially we're creating just, mini shows Can here. we just chop that one up, make that next, <laughs> next week's show, Reeves? Um, all right, this last question, this is from Laura. 
And she says, hey, I currently stay at home with the kids until they're in school. My husband's job does not have a 401k. Okay. Uh, if we are able to max out our Roth IRAs, where else should we put retirement savings? So I'm the spouse. I don't work. My husband does work. He does not have access to a 401k, and we're maxing out our Roths. We're doing 6000 each of our Roths. What are some other options that we have for retirement saving? I think a lot of people are always, because we always assume, and look, it is ideal if you can load up the 401ks, get that free matching money, then get your tax free. Think about the financial order of operations. Mm -hmm. We walk you through each step of where the next dollar should go. And it is easy when you know you have an employer-sponsored retirement plan. But what exactly, I was talking to somebody yesterday, they never had access to an employer-provided plan. It was all on them to build their wealth. Mm -hmm. And they did do that. They hit the IRAs, which like Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs, those type of things. Because by the way, I don't know that you want to do this over a Roth, but when you don't have an employer-provided plan, you have a much, you can do a traditional IRA right. and actually take a tax deduction. I don't know that that's worth it, though, when you have access to a Roth sure. and that tax-free growth. When we talk about compounding interest in your army of dollar bills, the Roth typically comes out ahead, mm -hmm. if, especially if you're younger. So, so consider that. But here's the next thing. Your individual and joint brokerage account right. that you can set up with a low-cost provider like a Vanguard, a Fidelity, Charles Schwab, those type of things. And then you can dollar-cost average every month, have money come out, and then dollar-cost average into like an index target retirement fund. That is also, even though it's not in a retirement called by the government and their legislation or the tax law, it still can be earmarked by you as this is financial independence and retirement money. The, the cool little side note is that it also can be opportunity money just mm -hmm. in case you needed liquidity or just in case that deal of a lifetime to buy into something, some real estate or a business comes available. It's much easier to get access to that brokerage account than it is to go get access to your retirement assets. The only thing I'd add to that is you, your question said, my husband's job does not have a 401k. You didn't mention if like how he gets paid. So uh, I'm assuming he's probably a W-2 employee, but if he's not, maybe his job, he's a 1099 contractor. Maybe he's a small business owner and he just doesn't have one. If you are a sole proprietor, independent contractor, two great mechanisms you can use for retirement savings are a SEP IRA where you can put in money on a pre-tax basis or even a solo 401k yep. where you can open up your very own 401k if you happen to be the business owner, if you happen to be the one who's getting the income coming your way. But if it's just a W-2 and they don't have access to 401k, one, ask HR, say, hey, yeah. let's do a 401k. They are super, super low cost, and there are some really good investments, and it'll be good for everybody to do it. Including the, the employer, by the way. Great. If, you, yep. if you have a successful company and they don't have a retirement plan, I'm always like, who's giving advice the, to that business owner? Because should know. The best legal way to hide money, and I notice I use the word legal, mm -hmm. the best legal way to hide money is through retirement plans, yep. typically employer retirement plans. We just answered a question earlier in this episode. The progression of success is you typically do, you start off with your SEP IRAs. Look, I've gone through all these. Mm -hmm. You start off with the SEP IRA because yep. you can go back in time, lower your sure. tax bill. Then when you can start doing a few more, it used to be simple IRAs. Mm -hmm. I think we've skipped the simple IRA stage They're less now, and less common. Because yeah. in the past, you did simple IRAs because 401ks were so expensive mm -hmm. because you had 5,500 filing requirements, right. tax forms. Then they pass laws that allow you to do solo 401ks, super low cost, super cheap. So you can go SEP IRA solo 401k, and then as your company has more success and you start adding employees, do a traditional 401k, a safe harbor type 401k yep. so you don't have any testing. And then once you load those up, then you can add cash balance plans and other cool sweeteners. There's a progression there. If your husband works for a successful company, they might need somebody to be in their corner kind of walking them through all that type of stuff that will really kick it up a notch for them. Laura, that was a great question. Thank you guys so much for letting us answer your questions. If you weren't here at the beginning of the show and you're just tuning in, today is the official launch of our pre-launch period for the Money Guy Show Financial Order of Operations course. Uh, we want to be the tool that you are able to use to take your finances to the next level. So if you want to have an instruction manual for where your next dollar should go, for how you should build your army of dollar bills, then go to learn.moneyguide.com and sign up today for the Money Guy Financial Order of Operations course. So here's just to kind of close it out. If you buy pre-order, mm -hmm. there's several key benefits. 
You get it for $199 versus $249, right. which will be the price once it goes live on October 1st. You also get the Money Guy Elusive Tumbler. Elusive. Completely, you know, it's it's no paying extra. You get a discount plus the tumbler. And if you do this, I know we said it's the end of the show. We're going to cut this off. Actually, I'm going to say we're going to keep it open until we hit the mark right at the hour. So the top of the hour, so a little less than 9 or 10 minutes. <laughs> my, my watch is being fixed. Well, I mean, well, here's the thing. I can't stand when people pitch something to me and they say, you have to do it right now. I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, I need a little more time to think about it. I might need to call somebody, you know. <laughs> so I'm going to give you 10 minutes to think about it, you know, and then we'll you'll get the, also the free koozie. Mm-hmm. The tumblers the whole month, the koozies for the next 10 minutes. You but, can access um, the Facebook page early as well to the private Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, man, thank you for letting us do this. Oh, we have a blast. We love this. Since love 2006. This. I can't imagine. That's why I'm never retiring, guys. I hope you like hanging out with us. I'll be here hanging out for as long as you'll let me because we have such a blast. Can I confess something to you? Uh-oh. You're retiring? La- no, I'm not retiring. <laughs> I'm going to hang around. I've been, like, racking my brain for the last week because I did not realize subconsciously Last week, I was trying to encourage all of our listeners out there to go press the like button, right? Mm -hmm. Because the YouTube algorithm likes it (laughs) if you press the like button. And so subconsciously, I just threw an expression out there. Well, I didn't realize it's somebody else's expression who we know, and uh, he does a fantastic job with it. It's like, man, I got to think of something clever and creative that's not smash the like button. And so I was thinking, I got the closest I got was go high five the like button, but that's super lame. That's That's super lame. I got nothing. So if you guys have a great saying (laughs) that you would like for us to coin and start using to encourage you to go hit the like button, do that. Also, we want to get to 100,000 subscribers. If you are just renting your seat in the audience and you've not subscribed, make sure you do that so we can know that you're out there. I don't think you give yourself enough credit. There's two things we always say. You can, you know, we take the relationship to the next level. Usually that means complete the abundance mm-hmm. cycle, sign up. Take the relationship to the next level on YouTube by subscribing. Or it. you even you even say quit renting your seat. That's it. Quit That's renting right. your seat. So you do have some creative things. You're not giving yourself enough credit. Yeah, but man, I just didn't realize that I totally bo- I totally stole that guy's thing. Okay. Now we're two minutes past the hour. <laughs> we'll let you, we'll continue the deal. Because I do want to give you an extra 10 minutes in case you got to call that, that special significant other. Like my wife is the boss of a lot of the financial stuff. If you go make those calls, do it. Thank you so much, guys, for supporting us. And remember, the big driving force for me was what will the value exceed the cost? I threw away an entirely different course because that was such a value proposition for me. We hope you enjoy it. Give us the feedback and then make sure you go ahead and sign up. Talk to you soon. I'm your host, Brian Preston. Mr. Bo Hansen, Money Guy Team, out. The Money Guy Show is hosted by Brian Preston. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through The Money Guy Show. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.